0: From West Philadelphia, born and raised, it's the IGN DigiGuys. So please welcome two men who are chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Thank you, Corey. Chillaxing, maxing, all cool. Who sent that in? That was written by Owen Craig, who I think might have been the guys on the playground who were giving uh, the Fresh Prince a hard time. Uh, there we go. Thank you, Owen. We appreciate the uh, the intro. Uh, Mark, please so he, he's, please, he, please he, pass he, me the thing huh? with which I will I will alleviate my parched palate. Thank so here, here's the situation. Yes.
1: Now, uh, on Friday, there's a movie coming out
0: (laughs) Yes, there is And we're going to talk about it on the show Because it it ties in There's actually a couple, but carry on
1: uh, It's a movie I've waited 30 years for Uh And it's a movie that Wade has waited 30 years for Right? So I'm thinking to myself, I have to see this movie My childhood will be redeemed if this movie is good (laughs) So then what happens? Turns out that I am being sent to New York for my work Right? I'm leaving on Wednesday night Yes so think of all I care about, not will the plane crash, not is there, will my project go successfully? Couldn't care less about that. All I cared about is, when is Mad Max Fury Road screening? <laughs> it better goddamn screen before I leave, because I waited 30 years for this movie, yes. and it better be good. Mm-hmm. Wait, let me tell you something, Wade. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving Wednesday on the Red Eye. <laughs> the movie is screening the one I got invited to yeah. Wednesday night. Yes. I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to make this work. Flight leaves at 11.30 at night. Screening, 7 at night. Starts at 7, rolls at 7.15.
0: Out and at 9.10-ish.
1: It's about two hours, right? It's exactly
0: two hours. So
1: you figure uh, you're out by 9.15. Yeah. You're to your car by 9.30. Plane leaves at <laughs> 11. I can still do it. Plainly, he's at eleven thirty. You, you should do it. You should. I can't seriously. I can't. You should. It just broke my heart. Absolutely broke my. heart. I cannot see Mad Max. And now I have it on good authority because he's sitting three feet from me. That Wade has seen Mad Max,
0: <laughs> and and I hate him for it. <laughs> he saw it this morning, uh, in a in a in a in a lovely screening room over at uh, Dolby Laboratories. Sitting there with uh, the wait, wait,
1: wait, wait, which one? Dolby in Burbank. Yeah, that little room.
0: It, it, it's not that little. Really? Yeah, it, it, believe me, is it, big? it was the audio. The, here's the thing: it's the one not, right,
1: the one right across the street from where NBC used to be.
0: Yes, it's not important to see this film yes, in IMAX. Is. Yes, it's it is. it's not important to yes, see it, it in is. 3D.
1: I, I, you know what? I want to see it in 5D.
0: It is. It is important to see it with the most maxed out, tricked out audio imaginable, because the audio is everything. It is just. I mean, look. I if if you're, I would encourage everybody to uh, tune into Film Week. On, uh, if you don't if you don't live in LA, where it would be eighty nine point three at noon on Friday, the fifteenth, uh, tune into scpr dot at noon on Friday, or else do the Film Week podcast, and you will hear uh, Tim Cogshell and I will uh, will share our thoughts about uh, Mad Max Fury Road, along with all the rest of the week's openers. It's a huge week, thirty films opening this week. I've seen um, uh, about twelve of them. I'm I'll be lucky to see three or four more. And then uh, it's it, who knows how many we'll get through on the show. But here, here's what I will say about Fury Road before I, uh, without giving anything away. Um, it's just unbelievably awesome. It is through the roof, mind-bogglingly spectacularly awesome. And uh, he's had 30 years to work this out, and that's why. So here's a guy who's been, you know, a 70-year-old guy who's been wanting to make this movie since he was 40. I mean, that's pretty amazing.
1: Now, what I'm hoping... And again, it breaks my heart that I didn't, I can't see it, or at least see the screening. I mean, I can pay for it, and goddamn right, I will. Yes. But what I'm saying is that I'm hoping that the only CGI in this movie is just wire removal stuff. It
0: pretty. It, it, I, I'll say this. Yeah. Pretty much. The 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 CGI. There's more than just wire removal. I mean, there's a there's a, a fair amount of CGI, but it's not. It's it's all sort of accent and embellishment and, and bet- coloring between the lines, right? It's it's uh, it's not like something like the Avengers or any of the other just about everything else these days, you know, from the Hobbit to whatever else, where you sit there and the whole big wow moment that you're looking at lives on a hard drive, where it does not it, it does not and has never existed anywhere in the real world. Everything here of of significance. Was staged with actors and cars and <laughs> drums and guitars and flame and uh, you know it's just it's visionary it really is it's just shut it, up I just can't anyway speaking I of hear it. I don't you hear know it. you know it's released this week as no, well no appropriately enough no brand new collector's edition of Mad Max courtesy of the people at Scream Factory
1: now people have to understand the Mad, Mad Max I don't know
0: why shop Factory's Scream Factory line. Was selected for this Because it's not a horror film Scream Factory is mostly Horror stuff Well Scream
1: Factory also Did the escape from New York I
0: know I know So it's So they're they're obviously Branching out into a little bit More kind of B stuff But anyway
1: But they should not I mean we love Scream Factory We love Shout Factory Yep But don't you think There's room on a studio Home video entertainment slate For Mad Max Does it really need to go To Shout Factory
0: Well um, Here's the thing It's the Mad Max franchise lives at Warner Brothers, except for this film. So the previous boxed set that had you know all three films, they had to license this from. Which I have. They had to license this from MGM. This is presently with MGM. So uh, it was MGM's decision, you know, to uh, to let uh, Shout Factory do this. Uh, you got new interviews with Mel Gibson, uh, Joanne Samuel, David Egby who is the DP. Uh, new uh, audio commentary with uh, John Dowding and David Egby um, and the special effects artist, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of new stuff on here, and it is, uh, it, it's, it's, it's pretty great. Um, I'm not sure that it justifies double dipping on this if you if you have the box set with the other three with the three films all together that was released already on Blu-ray. Uh, but if you don't have it, it's great. Uh, you know, the the original Mad Max is still a legendary film. It in, it it came out in 1979. You know, it's funny now how everything. That's hot this year is still continuing franchises from the nineteen seventies. I mean, it's amazing. Star Wars, Mad Max. It's kind of kind of unreal.
1: Well, the thing with Mad Max is that first of all, it was not a post-apocalyptic movie. Like, no, it Road was Warrior. Not. It's just society's in decay.
0: Yeah, it's just on the verge. It's you know. It's, now, of it's, course, George
1: Miller with Mad Max decided let's just blow up the world. <laughs> that sounds like fun <laughs> with,
0: with Road Warrior. Let's just yeah, yeah. let's just destroy the yeah. world. Yeah.
1: But it's a low budget film. It's not quite a B film, but it's a
0: low budget film. It comes from the Oz exploitation era. You know, there was this period where a lot of these really hot directors, Roger Donaldson was another one, uh, Peter Jackson, frankly, was another one of them. Uh, Peter Weir was not. But a a lot of these guys, uh, they came. A lot of these Australian directors who really kind of forged a career in the U.S. in, in in the 1980s. They were all they all came of age in the 1970s, either as part of the Australian New Wave which is where uh, Peter Weir came out of and and uh, you know a few other uh, the more legit guys and then there was the Ozploitation stuff the B movie stuff the drive-in stuff the gritty you know nasty stuff and this was this is Mad Max is arguably the, the biggest and most successful of those so, uh, man, George Miller, he's just—he's just a genius. And that Wired piece you sent me a link to—that's right—I have to read that now because well, now that I've read, seen the film.
1: Well, read the bottom It's really the bottom of it,
0: which is the, the, just how he—the logistics of how he pulled it off, like the camera cars, and it's just—it's just you watch this and you just go, "How did you even stage this? How many years did it take to take to shoot this? It's unbelievable."
1: It, supposedly, there was one sequence, one scene that took him 138
0: days to shoot. I'm not surprised. It's
1: probably what what what. Don't give it away. God damn it! <laughs> but it's probably like whatever climactic chase there is. Like if there's one chase above all chases, uh, here's, it's probably that
0: one. Here's the pre. I'll give you a little bit of a film week preview. Uh, what I will be saying on film. Do, week.
1: Wait, do I need to be uh, covering my ears for this?
0: No, no, no. This is
1: sacred ground. wave I know. Thirty I, years I've waited for this
0: movie. I'll tell you this.
1: I, it breaks my heart. This I movie. See this this movie. movie
0: begins. This movie begins. By raising the bar on chase scenes with what is arguably the greatest chase scene in movie history. It begins with easily what is now the official greatest chase scene in movie history. And the one that ends the film beats it. <laughs> the two best chase scenes in movie history exist in this movie. <laughs> it, it, the, the, it's, it's, only, it's only the best chase scene in movie history for about 96 minutes. Yeah. Until the one at the end beats it. It's I mean, the the. the, the balls that it takes to do what he does in his movie i can't even i don't even i can't even begin so uh, you know
1: what i really you know you know what kills me also is that now i have to see it <sighs> excuse my french with a bunch of plebes who are going to be checking their voice checking their texting
0: i guarantee you they won't nobody is going to be touching their phone while they're watching this you know what they're going to be touching what they, they, Them- themselves themselves <laughs> they will to to make sure that they're still there.
1: I want to see this on a Tuesday morning at seven a.m. with nobody in the theater.
0: Okay, you know what else we got this week? Uh, the there's a new uh, Blu-ray and uh, Ultraviolet release of uh, Pitch Perfect, Whoa. the all-new sing-along AKA Awesome Edition. Um, which there's no real reason to upgrade to this. It's just it's just got a sing-along version. It's got otherwise it's got all the same stuff, and uh, the only reason really that this is being released, is because Pitch Perfect 2 opens on Friday, which I have not seen yet.
1: Don't you find it strange? Not but strange. I, you it's know, people
0: are expecting Pitch Perfect 2 to actually open ahead of Mad Max. Because Mad Max is rated R, and this will, of course, be PG-13. Well, but there's not a,
1: there's, there's, Look, girlfriends will drag their boyfriends to go see Pitch Perfect 2. As there long, is not a boyfriend in the world <laughs> who will be able to drag her girlfriend to go see Mad Max.
0: You know what? Don't bet on it. Because Claudia and Amy and, and Christy were all completely apoplectic this morning. So everybody loved this movie. Now, no one loved it as much as I did because I, you know, clearly I was the I was the adolescent on the row, and I warned everyone ahead of time because the, the, I was laughing and I was screaming and I was the one who was going, "Wow! Oh, whoa! Yeah!" That was the I, I was the only one in the theater doing that. It was completely unprofessional, yeah. utterly unprofessional. I, anyway.
1: I, I I just want like kids who love the Fast and Furious movies to go to this film and go, "Oh, you mean that's what it's like when it's real."
0: <laughs> yeah, well.
1: <laughs> I mean, look, the Fast and Furious movies are it, terrible. It's, it's all CGI. It's just a cartoon.
0: The two best things that were said about this and then we should move on. Um Justin Chang in his Variety review, he he basically uh, said, and I, and I and I I'm forgetting exactly his phrasing, but he said it was like, like comparing this to Fast and the Fury. The Fast and Furious films, by comparison, are like a pit stop at Autopia. Yeah. It it's just it, it, it's just, it's not even the same universe. And and uh, Alonzo said something absolutely brilliant in his review for the Wrap. He said that uh, Mad Max: Fury Road is the gutted damerung of uh, of drive-in movies, <laughs> which movies. is just you know. It, which is a way of saying it's the most Wagnerian action yeah. film you will ever see. Oh, give it away! All right, I'm done. I'm done, man. I'm done. See it. Uncle Wade, I'm
1: done. I don't want to have to go to New York. I don't want a free flight to New York <laughs> to work. But I got I can maybe sneak my family in. Uh, maybe for dinner here, see a friend, get a nice meal. Don't care. Yeah. Would rather stay in L.A. Yeah. and see Mad Max tomorrow.
0: All right, Mark. Let's talk about CPO Sharky. <laughs> wow. Yeah.
1: Now let me tell you something. CPO Sharky yep. has the seven thousand eight hundred seventy-five millionth best chase scene ever.
0: <laughs>
1: now uh, this show started finally at, out, huh? It's finally out. Why do you care? Season one of CPS. The show's terrible. You really, the, look, you know, it's Don Rickles. The problem with this show, and look, I I, I didn't dislike this show. It's it, 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 it was, it's from the mid. It's last a couple seasons in the mid seventies. The thing is that the show starred Don Rickles, the great Don Rickles, but. You know, and he said hockey puck and whatever he says, but it's not like the Don Rickles who you know and love and, and is ballsy enough to make fun of Frank Sinatra and not get shot. That's not the Don Rickles you have at CBS. Right? I
0: mean, basically what they were going for with this show, they wanted to do – the, the people like the, the tough military guy who insults everybody around them and tries to run a tight ship and, of course, can't because he's surrounded by idiots. That has been done to death uh, on television. You know, Sergeant Carter from uh, from Gomer Pyle was that guy. Uh, Phil Silvers on uh, Sergeant Bil- uh, Bilko. Phil Silvers' show was that guy. Um, you know, Bil- we,
1: Bilko Baggins. The, yeah, the Bilko
0: <laughs> Baggins. Oh, thank you. Uh, mix mix up mix up all all your genres. So I mean, so this was obviously an attempt to go to do that a little bit. I guess you could say that Ernest Borgnine was a little bit of that, you know. Uh, And and the only thing I find interesting about CPO Sharkey is that this is not the first CPO Sharky on television. Did you know that? What? Did you realize that there is actually a character on Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea whose name is CPO Sharky? No, there's not. Sure is. It's pretty great. Uh, Some old television here. We've got uh, Science Fiction Theater: The Complete Series. Which is now out from Timeless Timeless of course uh, being distributed uh, Timeless mostly does western stuff And uh, there are being You know This is part of the MGM library And uh, there's a lot of sub-licensing going on here So uh, Science fiction theater For those who have no frame of reference to it was uh, one of those anthology shows that that kind of tried to jump into the anthology era in uh, in the nineteen fifties. We really only remember a few of them: Outer Limits and Twilight Zone. Obviously, you are the two biggies. There, by remembers Alfred Hitchcock Presents was also in the mix. But there were like amazing five, stories. I mean, well, that's from the eighties. But there there were more in the fifties. There were a ton more. There was you know One Step Beyond, and and there were a whole bunch of others. And this is one of them. And uh, it's not. On the same level as the others, but it, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's got some interesting stuff in it. Um, presumably, its, uh, its, its claim to fame is that it was on the air before all of the others, but just barely. Um, and, uh, but, you know, you, you get, you still get a bunch of interesting people in it. DeForest Kelly shows up and, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of other people, June Lockhart. So they're all you know. If genre fans will certainly enjoy it. I, I just think the writing is a little bit substandard. Uh, the best of the Ed Sullivan Show, six yeah. six DVD set. This is great. Uh, I'm, I'm I keep looking for them to release the entire Ed Sullivan Show, but that would just be unwieldy and huge. But you get almost every almost everything that's really significant here: uh, Elvis and the Beatles and Michael Jackson and. Uh, Jackie why Mason is not and Rich ray
1: Why is that not on Blu-ray?
0: Because uh, they don't want to remaster it. That's why. I mean, it truly, it's probably the reason. It's probably you know really kind of dingy one-inch masters, and to put it on Blu-ray, you'd really, really have to spend some money cleaning that up. Uh, Milton Berle, you know, Rodney Dangerfield. Everybody shows up here. It's great. A lot of comedy, a lot of music. People, uh, people don't
1: realize how influential Ed Sullivan was in his time.
0: Th- no, that was it. It was... If you if you were if you wanted to be a star, you had to be broken on the Ed Sullivan show. Imagine, imagine, you just had to
1: imagine American, imagine American Idol, the finale of American yeah. Idol every, every week, week. Yeah. for twenty years. Yep, that's what it was. It was. And by the way, you know the, uh, the theater where David Letterman yeah. will be has shot his CBS show for the last twenty years and will be concluding this week is called, of course, the Ed, Ed Sullivan, Sullivan Theater. Show. Yep, sure is. After Because that's where Ed did his show
0: We also have uh, Speaking of The the Jerry Anderson collection That uh, continues to be released uh, Through Timeless This is all stuff That was previously released Through A&E Before A&E ceased to exist As a uh, a distribution entity So all the Jerry Anderson stuff The stop motion uh, Super marionation stuff Is coming out again And uh, this is another one That was very raw as he's developing his style and getting eventually to where uh, we get the Thunderbirds, which is sort of the culmination of of this stuff. But Supercar um, is a, is is boy, I really even you have to admit. I even I have to admit Supercar is kind of lame. <laughs> it really is. Uh, it's you, you can tell. It's it's like it's. It's bare. Oh, I don't know. It's like you know. You hate Fireball XL Five. This is cheesier than Fireball I mean, XL Five. You know
1: what? You love that Jerry Anderson stuff more than I do. I but cheesy. even
0: see, I even like like Fireball XL Five. But this is like the. This is where he's really just trying to sort of find his way with it. And it's it doesn't really work very well. Uh, so it's only if you're a, if you're a Jerry Anderson completist and you really you know you love the the whole idea of watching the the style evolve. But um, it's really not, it's not that great. It, the other stuff is much much better. So I would say you know by the time you get to Captain Scarlet and Thunderbirds, that stuff is really cool. But uh, this is this is pretty raw. Pretty raw, but uh, it's got a few interesting bonus features, Uh, an interview with Jerry Anderson, an interview with Derek Mettings, who, of course, you know, was the the miniature genius who would go on to work on the Star Wars films, and uh, there's even a a single episode commentary with Sylvia Anderson uh, and an interview with Jerry Anderson, Uh, so um, there it is, Supercar, complete series. Wait, let me tell you something. Yes, sir.
1: They'll make a reality show out of anything. I know they will. Can I tell you last night, you know what? I talked to this girl on Tinder last night, and so uh, uh, I'm saying this because I'm about to talk about Tanked, which is some reality show on Animal Planet. And so I'm, I, I'm talking to this girl, and, and we're just talking on the phone. And you know, you talk to a girl on the phone on Tinder, and that's when yeah. you're deciding if sure. you want to go out with them. Maybe the conversation goes well for about 10, 15 minutes, and mm-hmm. then you at the end, you go, hey, we, you know, it sounds like we're getting along pretty well. Let's have a drink next week, whatever it Talk talking to this girl. She says, I love Bravo. I love watching Bravo. I love all the Real Housewives. And Let me tell you something. There is no bigger turnoff <laughs> to hear that a girl loves Bravo and all the Real Housewives. Oh. She goes, I lived in Atlanta and I love that show, although I don't understand why all the women are African-American because that's, that's not the Atlanta that I knew. I was like, who gives a crap the Atlanta you knew? It's a TV show. Shut up. And I, anyway, I, sh- I went to her home and uh, shot her. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, we, we're not going out. I, I hung up and said thank you very much. Anyway, Animal Planet has a show called Tanked, and this is season two of Tanked. And I have to say that some of these episodes uh, were very skim worthy. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: uh, there was one episode where this 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 guy in Chicago he loves video games. He wants to, he wants a, a, a pinball machine shaped aquarium. That one, I have to say, was pretty cool. And it's about these guys. They build aquariums. That's all they do. They live in Las Vegas. And uh, so I I, I thought Tanked was something that, you know, you got to figure, look, are they so hard up for programming on basic cable that they have to start, you know, they have to start dredging up aquarium builders in Vegas? But that's some fun stuff. These guys are pretty good.
0: Well, speaking of, there's Duck Dynasty Season 7. Uh, you know what? It's that's over. A, that's, as as it's over. Gonna, uh, that's as much as I'm gonna. That's as That show's t- over. No one cares about it. Anymore. Nope. And by the way, you know, answer. the they had a Duck Dynasty musical in Vegas. They it did closed. Not. They did. It, it really. Closed, it closed early.
1: <laughs> Wait, was it with the guys?
0: No. It's just, it was just, somebody just said, "Let's do a Duck Dynasty musical." I don't know who even would. Get, I don't. Even, I. I can't even imagine how that idea doesn't just get laughed right out of the pitch room.
1: You know because you know what they look at the demo. For Duck oh. Dynasty, and they look at the, uh, the maybe they needed more racist hicks to whoever they are to come to Vegas. I don't know, and they said, you know right. what? Let's do let's do that. You know, what? Anyway. It's, it's 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 like I was telling this this girl about uh, African Americans on uh, on Real Housewives of Atlanta. I go, look, if Bravo decides that they want more African Americans or Hispanic Americans or whoever to go see to go watch their network, they'll create a show with those people. So that way you are bringing to the table that demographic, whether yep. it's African-American women or yep. Hispanic men, whatever yep. it is. So Duck Dynasty, the musical, was to get those people to Vegas.
0: Well, there you go. And good. It did
1: not work. Nope. Anyway, Broadchurch, uh, season one worked on Broadchurch, the uh, David Tennant, Olivia Colman uh, show. Uh, season two is um, also pretty good, but not as good because uh, Broadchurch, which of course takes place in this coastal town in uh, Dorset and was all about this uh, this child murder and uh, that was a good season this one is fine it kind of a, follows up on season one um, not as compelling as the uh, previous but still it's got a lot of good performances good good for ITV um, Fox I believe tried to remake this didn't do too well but uh, check out the original Broadchurch season two
0: you know uh, we have the final season of White Collar and uh, the sixth season I'm uh, that's about right for this this show six seasons is a, is as long as it really should have gone uh, a few audio commentaries, deleted scenes, gag reel, and uh, I have to say this show goes out on a on a solid note. It never really had a bad season. It didn't really have an awkward beginning. I watched it intermittently, uh, mostly on DVD over the uh, over the course of its run, and uh, never really totally got into it, but never disliked it. It was just it was one of those shows where I thought, well, I, if it's on, and if you know, I'll, I'll if, if I have a kind of a you know an hour or so to blow, I'll watch an episode. But I'm not going to sit here just craving every show, every episode. I'm not going to binge watch this thing. There's sort of no point. Every episode is a little bit like every other episode. However, that said, let me just point out, Matt Bomer, big future.
1: He was in the uh, – what's the HBO AIDS drama that was so good?
0: Yeah. Uh, what was had, that?
1: had a, 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 a normal heart. Nor, yeah. Very good. And he was good in it. He's great. Yeah.
0: No, he's great. And uh, you know, I could see him just having a huge superhero feature, future. Is something
1: he seems very Brandon Routhian.
0: He does. He does. I, I, I somehow, you know, I like. I could see him being. If Ben Affleck hadn't have landed it, I could see him as Batman. I could see him as uh, something, anything. Green Lantern. I don't know. Wonder Woman. He'd be a good Green Lantern. Wonder Woman. Sure. Why not? He could be. A, he'd be a good Green Lantern, wouldn't he? I,
1: I guess sure. anybody's better than Ryan Reynolds.
0: Yeah, well, I You
1: know that Fantastic Four film supposedly not good. Oh my
0: gosh! Have you heard all the all the? I know. Oh Wow, that's too well, bad. That, but but look, the guy you the the, the guy you, you should they should have known better than to hire him as a director. They just should have known better.
1: But it's weird because like they look, they gave no. Hang on, they gave I Colin know. Trevorrow from Safety Not Guaranteed.
0: Yeah, they but, gave
1: that guy Jurassic Park.
0: I know. They, they, I realize that this is a thing where everybody thinks all we need to do is hire some guy who's made a really cool short film and, uh, you know, he'll, he'll make – we just hand him a pile of money and a really good crew. But it's not the case. You, there, there is, there is a, a mentality that you have to have as a director. And, uh, you know, my wife frames it in this sense. She says you have to be able to command the army. That's it, you know. Even if you're not terribly creative, there are guys who, who get TV work and they're not terribly creative, but they walk in and they they, they, and they do the job and it's a it's a it's a it's a you know, it's about just commanding the crew, getting the job done, moving the work along on schedule and knocking out the pages. And it's it's really kind of grunt work. And, uh, you know, some guys who take like six months and seven months to shoot a precious little ten-minute short film when suddenly you are dropped in the middle of a gigantic production and everything has to move like clockwork and everybody is staring at you and you're in the middle of this and you're the one who has to move the army, that's that's expecting a lot. And apparently he just completely clammed up and couldn't do anything. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> he just like, had no people skills he was like curled into a fetal position <laughs> in the corner really and the producers had to step in and they've been doing reshoots and it's just, it's just horrible
1: Poor Fantastic Four. He's oh. cursed. It,
0: it really is. And and Fox desperately has to keep it alive because it, otherwise it reverts to Marvel. That's why Fox keeps doing those in X-Men films and why they the, why they keep doing Spider-Man stuff over at uh, Sony, which now they're going to tie in with Marvel.
1: Well, because it's about time. And by the way, you know what? I have to say the X-Men films I think are good. They're great. They're good films.
0: Although all this, this dueling, the dueling Quicksilver stuff. Have you been following the dueling Quicksilver? <laughs> Who's the better Quicksilver?
1: Oh, no. Let me tell you it's something. It's just so silly. No, you know what? the uh, the Quicksilver who had that scene where he runs around in slow motion in the X Men film uh, come on that was yeah. a great scene it was
0: fantastic great but you know the new Avengers has they introduce X Men now with with what's his face Kickass Kick- who? Kickass what's his face who played Kickass he's now uh,
1: oh yeah, yeah well he's Quicksilver
0: he's well no he's he, yes but
1: the, he's the brother of Elizabeth Olsen correct but in the movie something bad happens to right, him
0: but this is the question is his quicksilver better than the quicksilver in the X-Men movie it's the same superhero yes. it's the same marvel character but do you realize why there are two of them this is this is confusing a lot of people people are like wait
1: what, what, what do you mean why there are two of them why are there two of them are two
0: different them? okay quicksilver in the marvel comics is one superhero yeah
1: some dude named john smith whatever his right, name is
0: right okay that guy in the in the last X Men film is Quicksilver, right? And that character in the new Avengers film right. is Quicksilver. Sure, it's the same superhero. It's,
1: it's two. It's two competing movie studios. That's what yes. it is. They don't care. But
0: do you know how that happened? Uh-huh. Because obviously, you can't have Thor show up in the X Men film, and and you can't have you know Magneto show up in the Avengers. How did that happen? How it happened is this: um, Quicksilver is a character who is technically a mutant, and he's part of the X Men but he also cross-pollinates in all these other Avengers and, and other Marvel stories. So because of that, he lives in both worlds. And even though Fox has the rights to use him, they only have the right to use him so long as he's a mutant. If Marvel introduces Quicksilver in one of their films and gives him an origin story that does not make him a mutant, in this case, you know, they have a new origin story for him, they can use Quicksilver as well. Really? Isn't that silly? How would you find out that? I've been geeking out all week on this stuff.
1: (laughs) Well, here's the thing, though. A spoiler alert. Mm -hmm. Pause your iPhone. Yes. Whatever. Not that you haven't seen Avengers 2, because you have. He dies at the end. Yeah. So problem solved
0: <laughs> i guess you know who knows anyway all right let me uh, let me rock But through. the other
1: quicksilver was better
0: yeah well there you go so uh real quickly another show uh unforgettable third season totally forgettable show uh I, you know it's just when you when you name a show unforgettable you're really kind of asking for it there is almost nothing on here really that's worthwhile i got a gag reel and some deleted scenes Otherwise, uh it's you know it, it's a cop show that has only one interesting twist which is that this uh the, you know Poppy Montgomery the, is the actress who plays this uh this cop in New York. Uh she's got this like perfect memory and it never really works because the whole perfect memory thing has so many holes in it and and they never it just it just it, it's it's just too contrived. It's it's a nice idea in but once you really drill down into it it just doesn't work. Uh, then we've also got Mr. Bean The Whole Bean Remastered 25th Anniversary Lame. Collection you I, defi- I definitely I definitely it. recommend Double Dipping on this Lame um, The previous release Was was a Wonderful of course But not well mastered you, Really kind of Dingy British television look They've done a great job here All 14 episodes Uh As pristine as you're probably ever going to get it. So uh, short of this thing showing up on Blu-ray, which I do not expect ever, uh, I would say definitely run out and get this uh, great Shout Factory release. Definitely worth picking up. Uh, Mr. Mr. Bean getting uh, getting in and out of his bathing suit is one of the funniest things in the history of television. And I love that car. Uh, We also have the complete series of Parenthood. Six seasons, 103 episodes, more than I ever imagined this thing would last. Uh, A good friend of mine was a uh, producer-director on this show, Larry Trilling. From high school And from uh, film school uh, And uh, it really it, it, You know what Solid Totally solid uh, Even though it came Years after the movie It kind of forged Its own identity And uh, did a very Very good job of it So I have to say I applaud them And they did a good job but I, it wasn't
1: the, Like the movie
0: it's, That's the thing it, it forged its own identity It's not, it's not like the movie But and the it movie's doesn't very funny be. The movie's very funny Great this cast is, This is kind of 30-something-ish in some way it's,
1: it's a little bit of a more light, light. frothy, cotton candy. Uh,
0: but it's it, it, it's it's like pre thirty something.
1: It's like twenty something.
0: It's like family something. There you
1: it's go. like pre family something. Yeah. Midnight Special, Wade from the early seventies. Oh, awesome I love show. this. I love this. A little bit. It's not. It's a little bit. it's not before our time. But let's say that we were really, really
0: young. I used to watch this after the goodies Saturday nights. <laughs> God.
1: Uh, This is great It was Friday nights At 1am I was not up For any of this I don't know how Wade watched it But I remember Watching it In reruns Years later Uh, Three DVDs Fifty performances Including uh, Hart And Santana Linda Ronstadt Van Morrison Also uh, They had a lot of Comedians on the show Tons And here you get uh, Steve Martin George Carlin Billy Crystal Richard Pryor Joan Rivers And uh, a lot more It's great Midnight Special It's a DVD Not a Blu-ray what are you going to do That's it Love it Midnight Special Lasted for a lot of years Love it all right, Mark, you're going to kill me.
0: Why is that? Because I've got Battlestar Galactica, the original, the only, the real version of Battlestar Galactica on Blu-ray. It rules. Lame. It's the best. Lame. Screw all that all, other all, new all the, stuff.
1: Although when I was a kid, I used to draw the um, the ship on all my notebooks.
0: Oh, really? I did. Did you?
1: But only in profile. Mm-hmm. I was such a horrible
0: and which And which ship was it, the Galactica or the Pegasus?
1: It was one of the, like the little ships that they would sit in. It was it was almost oh, like the oh, Battlestar the Viper. version. You, you oh, drew of oh, the X-wing fighters. Like the X-wing yeah, yeah, fighter yeah. Battlestar Galactica. Vipers are cooler. Let me see. Let me Google Vipers that, right? are
0: cooler. Google. Uh, no, here this is a Viper. Here, right? <laughs> picture. That's a Viper. That thing. Yeah, that <laughs> thing. Glasses. The Viper. That's what it was. What that? Yeah, that's what. It oh, and I had a
1: model of this. What, what, what's that? Is that the Battlestar Galactica?
0: Yeah, where that's my thumb the, is. Yes, exactly. I, I, I had a model of that. Sweet, right? Totally. Because
1: uh, I, I I used to go to Aero Models. Arrow right? Hobbies, Arrow Hobbies on Wilshire Boulevard. Gary at Arrow Hobbies. Yeah, Gary died. Did you know that Gary died? And I did not. Isn't that sad? I also, by also, by the way, this is back towards the very end of my model that, making it, career.
0: Anyone who set foot in Arrow Hobbies, certified geek card, right there. Uh, that's me. I was in Arrow Hobbies. And by the
1: way, at the end of my hobby uh, and at the end of my my model career, yep. I went to the um, Save on on Santa Monica Boulevard And Twenty Sixth Street. Uh huh. They had a, uh, a little model, you know, plastic model of the Starship Enterprise. Sure. Shoplifted it. Thief. <laughs> I remember I put it in my business. <laughs> how many years ago it was I put it in my backpack mm-hmm. as if I'm like Mr. Slick Johnny, but <laughs> shoplifting a uh, Starship Enterprise uh, model. And this woman says to me something like, How dare you? Or can you be more obvious? Or something like that. Like she knew I was shoplifting it. And of course, I was completely indignant. What are you talking about, lady? I'm completely innocent. How dare you? And then I ran out of the store. And then what really killed me is that I went home with my shoplifted Starship Enterprise model, and I put gluing it together, screwed it up. (laughs) Didn't come out.
0: All right. Well, speaking of, Battlestar Galactica, the original series, is now out. And you got two flavors you can get this in. And this is fantastic. Uh, This is the first time the series has ever been available in widescreen. I say again, the first time the series has ever been available in widescreen, and that's pretty great because you get to watch it in the full Blu-ray magic on your uh, your fabulous uh, widescreen television. Uh, you can get it in just the Battlestar Galactica, the remastered collection, which is uh, widescreen of the original series and Galactica nineteen eighty. The complete series, which was terrible. Galactica 1980 was just an embarrassment. Dr. Z and all that nonsense. It was was a strange way of trying to perpetuate the series by not spending any money on it. You know, fish out of water stuff. They come to Earth and, uh, you know, don't really blend in. It was Crocodile Dundee with guys from the Galactica. Anyway, uh, the better one to get is Battlestar Galactica, the definitive collection. Uh, Which includes Battlestar Galactica, the original series, Galactica 1980, and the original Battlestar Galactica movie, all of it in both widescreen and full screen, and uh, that's pretty cool. So, uh, obviously the movie, not in, not in full screen, but uh, this is great. And the extras that you get here, it's the same bonus features in, uh, in both cases. Uh, great 45-minute retrospective documentary. Glenn Larson, who is now deceased, obviously talking about Battlestar Galactica. Uh, other featurettes, uh, audio commentary on the pilot, some deleted scenes. And a really, really great little segment uh, of Stu Phillips talking about the score. And what a great score. People oh, just ripped true. on it at the time for being kind of derivative of Star Wars. But tell me, it's not one of the great all-time themes it just is uh, it just is
1: great all time I mean it's fine oh. it's very triumphant with the big trumpet just, come on Starbuck. you know what you know what I, 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 I bet
0: Felder Garb
1: I bet you let's could play Pyramid the uh, Night Rider theme with Battlestar Galactica no
0: don't like the Night Rider theme but again Glenn Larson and you know also Stu Phillips so yeah whatever all right, well, carry on. Um, let me just uh, nail a couple of these real quickly. We got some uh, other shows that are kind of negligible. New CW series, the second season of Beauty and the Beast. I don't know why they thought that this would be uh, successful in any way whatsoever. Uh, this is not at all the better Beauty and the Beast uh, with Ron Perlman and uh, and Linda Hamilton that was kind of a big deal in the 1980s. That was a much better show. That's not what this is. this is. This is... Uh, this is completely not even Beauty and the Beast. This is just uh, your average run-of-the-mill CW show and it's I find the title deceptive. Um Tandy Newton in Rogue, the complete second season. Um Tandy Newton is better than this. I love oh, she's so delicious. She's better than this. It's how
1: how how was Tandy Newton in Mission Impossible oh, too fantastic. when she drives in that car up on the mountain road? The best. Oh, so
0: cool. She's she's better than this. This is uh, you know this is kind of a a, a cop intrigue show. It, it, we'll see where it goes. I I don't know. It it doesn't it does just doesn't feel like it's going to go anywhere in particular. It feels like so so. Uh, and then uh, we also have uh, Welcome to Sweden, the complete first season. We've been is, to Sweden. Uh, well, this is this is an Amy Poehler uh, produced thing. Which uh, we'll we'll see where this goes. Uh, it, it's it's funny. It's quirky, it feels very kind of uh, Modern Family, and what was the Jason Bateman thing? Arrested Development? Arrested Development. It feels some like it kind of sits somewhere in that, uh, in that vein. Um, Where's the
1: show? I, I didn't see it. The, ABC, CBS, ABC Family, Netflix? Uh,
0: you know, that's a good question.
1: By the way, did you hear that Sofia Vergara is, ha, has a new series with her son? No. You know where she's doing it? No. Snapchat. You're kidding. She's doing a Snapchat show. Really? Now, I don't know. I I don't know if, if that means the show's ten seconds or then it disappears. I don't know how that happens. Huh. But it sounds horrible.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Good night everyone. No, actually, I have no idea where, the, where this uh, where this airs on. Because you know, stuff, there's there's stuff now that's like the original programming on Hulu and original programming on Crackle. I can't I can't keep track of stuff anymore. Yeah, but
1: that stuff's good though. You know why? It's not all like the network crap.
0: No, I know. I know. I know. But I just I just can't keep track of it. So anyway. Uh no, the the whole idea here is that uh you got this guy who's an accountant and he's got a Swedish girlfriend and they're relocating from uh New York to Sweden. And, you know, it's the usual fish out of water stuff. It's it, it a little bit green acre ish, kind of a little bit uh uh northern exposure ish. So we'll see. I it 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 may have may have legs. May have legs long term. It's a good cast. So we'll see. Wade
1: Murder in the First is uh, a TNT show, and uh, this thing is uh, just—you know what? Look, it's Steven Bochco. I get it. It's great to see him back, but you know these murder, and, these season-long murder anthology arcs. You know, I mean, yeah, it's, just, it's getting tired. I know, I, mean, I it's agree. It's just like another guy that doing something. On who the hell cares? Here, they're chasing after the couple murders. They both murders wind up having some connection to a uh, CEO of a Silicon Valley a tech company. And, uh, you know, this is just – I just started skimming this thing. It just was like, okay, I guess, another one. (laughs) Um, Some of these TNT shows, they're kind of like the USA shows. They're just very generic and nondescript, and they look glossy, and they're professionally done, but there's just nothing special there. It just feels like filler. I agree. Wade, you don't agree, Wade. Mr. Ed.
0: (gasps) Final season of Mr. Ed. Mr. Ed. Mr. Ed. Awesome. Final season's kind of threadbare. I got. I got to be honest. It's pretty thin stuff. Uh, it, 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 you just feel. You feel the television is moving on and leaving this show behind. Uh, logistics just aren't aren't there. But anyway, the final season, of Mr. Ed, is out there. And then I got to say, Mark, the Colbys.
1: Oh, he yeah. didn't. Tell me you didn't love this show. The
0: complete series of the Colbys. No. You know. No. The, honestly, this is there's I we could do a whole show on the phenomenon of the Colbys because <laughs> no, we couldn't. no because truly it's a short show here's here's the thing you know the Colby's was first of all you, you Dallas started everything right it did mm-hmm. didn't it Dallas yeah. I still remember the day that Dal- I remember the day I was sitting there it was a Friday evening we'd just gotten done watching Dukes of Hazard or some damn thing and then Dallas comes on it was the first episode. And I can't remember what it displaced. It displaced something that I was expecting to come on, and then there's this thing called Dallas. And you know, and I didn't know what this was. And there's you know Larry Hagman, and I thought, oh, I like Larry Hagman. He was a guy from My Dream of Genie. I love him. He looks old now, but whatever. I'll keep watching. And it just was so cheesy and and so dirty it just felt grimy and it just it was soapy yeah
1: big. but that, it was but and he, no, and then suddenly
0: and then suddenly there's Knott's landing spinning off from Dallas and then there's dynasty which is trying to be even more salacious than than Dallas and then suddenly Dynasty just goes off the rails, and you're having episodes with catfights between Linda Evans and uh, – and, and, and what's her name? Uh, the,
1: the, the Joan Collins. Yeah,
0: Joan Collins. And, and then they spin off into the Colbys. And this show was truly campy on a level that is just not to be believed. And then you know you wind up throwing Charlton Heston into the mix, and it's like Charlton Heston on television, and Ricardo Montalban, and what are you, what are you doing? Where is this coming from? And um, you you do remember there's a, a UFO adup- abduction on this show. I did not remember that. That uh, people, I mean, I still remember that, and people were just like, what? Whose idea was this? Where did this come from? Is it? Are you that short of good ideas? A UFO abduction? On what? It just made no sense. There it is.
1: I met this. Um...
0: So the Colby's <laughs> the complete series is in, and uh, it's just it's hysterical. It's terrible, night. but it's hilarious. I met, and, the, I met this guy last night. Cast interviews is the only bonus on this.
1: I met this guy last night. He was a writer on Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, and Taxi.
0: Oh, my gosh. He must be rich beyond his wildest dreams. not about that part. He's, but, getting, uh, he's, he's, making, he's getting a lot of resids. He's a,
1: he's a big – he's a kind of a borscht-belty guy. Good. Well, it went to his 60s, a lot of energy. He said how Happy Days was a happy set, Laverne and Shirley not a happy set, and uh, didn't talk much about Taxi. Yeah, I wound up leaving. I, you know, you probably got that Facebook thing where um, a, a, a friend of Zach and I – uh, died of a heart attack yeah, yeah,
0: yeah Axel That Axel John Axelson John Axelson
1: John Axelson was my supervisor He was my number two On The Man Show Oh, wow And I hired him for To be my number two On The Man Show Wow, that's and he was And uh, he was amazing He was great He was my muscle That was a miserable show But he was my muscle He had my back The whole time mm. And um, so he uh, Anyway, so I met him. There was a, not a memorial, but we got together at a bar down the street to uh, hoist a, I, I hoist saw a that. pint to John. I saw that. And this guy was there. And he he knew John, and he wrote for uh, Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley in Taxi, and he was, he's a great sense of humor. He's not bitter about where TV's gone today. He loves some of the shows today. You know, does like some of them, but uh, it was great. It was a lot of fun and a great tribute to John Axelson, who was a great producer and a great friend and really just a... Just a big, burly, beefy, cigar-chomping muscle guy.
0: Wow. Well, let's let's finish off television, and uh, we should say we are not going to have a show next week because what? Uh, because of you, because Mark's uh, Mark's got a big shindig in New York, so Mark will be out of town next week.
1: The reason why I couldn't see Mad Max is the same reason why yeah. we're not going to have a show next week.
0: So uh, Mark will be uh, Mark will be cavorting and doing things, and and it's just as well because I've got uh, I've got. Uh, Big film week with Tim this week, and then uh, Tim and I are doing three audio commentaries for Cohen next week. Really? Yep. We got a we got a big big day, so what? I gotta got a lot of prep for that. I so the
1: Digigods don't do commentaries anymore.
0: Well, I'll I'll drag you. See, we always do the, the comment. Cohen needs the commentaries done usually, you know, on a timetable that does not accommodate you.
1: That's not true. It you doesn't. never tell. You never made the offer. I do. You no. You were never, like, Mark. If you can figure this out in two weeks, we could do it together. You would never said that.
0: Well, well. The next time You want down to well, my, You want
1: Tim to do Because Tim's all like Learned And I'm like a big dork
0: Well no, It's in this case In this case It's, uh, it's, it's a It's It's a certain French director That Tim Watch actually your role. Tim actually knows More about than I do In Watch any, your case, role. any case Carry on
1: uh, Boardwalk Empire Complete series I'm a big fan Of these complete series Blu-ray sets you know, I, I don't know I just am I, I want my Star Trek The Next Generation Complete series set I'm going to get it one day Wait tell me when fifty six episodes nineteen discs four hours of bonus content it's just great, great stuff a lot of this a lot of the bonus content was on the other um, this show series. went this show
0: went out exactly at the right time too. that's right Nucky
1: sure did Nucky yep uh it's great you know what it was it was a bit of a surprise winner for Golden Globe it uh, the first couple seasons were the were the ones where you thought oh my god this thing is amazing last season and a half two seasons not that it wasn't great but it wasn't the fresh, new, exciting thing anymore, but that doesn't mean that the episodes weren't any good because they were. And of course, they did a lot of fun name dropping, like uh, you know Al Capone and Lucky Luciano. So uh, it was just great. And Steve Buscemi is just it, this really is with the with the with the except for although when you think about, it, he's had an amazing career. Except for um, Big Lebowski and Fargo, this is the role for which he will be always remembered. True. You
0: know, so it's
1: well worth it. Yep. Unless you already own all the individual season sets, in which case, what's the point?
0: And then uh, Curtis Fifty Cent Jackson uh, is the muscle behind the show Power on Stars, which uh, has now has its first season out on Blu-ray. I uh, did not catch this first time around, so catching up with it, I gotta say, I'm kind of guardedly impressed. We'll see where it goes, but I, you know, he's 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 more he's more than meets the eye. Fifty cent, like Transformers. Yeah, he's more than meets the eye. Fifty cent. Uh, So this will we'll see how this. You know, the show was created not created. He didn't create the show. He's just producing it. Created by uh, Courtney Kemp uh, Agbo. But uh, it's you know it's tough and it's it's a good crime drama and it's good production value and it's a solid cast and it's it's edgy and stars is doing some interesting things so we'll see where that goes. Uh, that's on Blu-ray. It's got a few special features, uh, mostly featurettes. But it's uh, we'll see. You know this is this. I think this could have legs if they really if they really maintain this this strain. It could have legs. All right, Mark. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna crank through a whole. Bu- I gotta, no 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 anime. I'm gonna blow through some anime. Oh, you'll blow it, all right. I'll blow through some anime, and then we'll get into uh, the other new movies this week. We've got, you know, Mordecai and Cobbler and a whole bunch of stuff that's just a couple of couple of Oscar winners as well. We're still getting those trickling in. Uh, from Funimation, Tokyo Ravens, which is uh, not a bad show. Uh, the whole magical clan concept to it is a little bit confusing, but it, it, uh, it's it's not bad. Uh, it's kind of Harry Potter-ish, you know, these kids that do magic, and it's, you know, it, it, takes, a, it takes a little bit to it sort of the get... Village? Yeah, it takes a village. Uh, Funimation is also releasing uh, a lot of stuff in their anime classics line. And uh, that includes season one on uh, Blu-ray and DVD of Black Butler, which is gorgeous animation. Uh, and then they've also got in the same line Darker Than Black, continuing this, uh, this, this you know black theme with uh, anime classics. Darker Than Black, Gemini of the Meteor. Isn't that a typical anime title? In a world. Gemini of the Meteor uh all of this stuff is is very the, the it, it takes a lot to really uh, figure out the world and then uh noir which i thought was noir is really kind of cool the whole uh, assassin thing this is you know the, it's like chick assassins it's pretty cool it's it's very uh, kind of kill billish um i i really dug it that one and that one's not Overly violent. It's kind of acceptably violent. You know, it doesn't sort of get into that gory place that some anime gets to, where somebody gets shot and it's just blood and guts and dismemberment. And
1: okay, Akira.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's see what else. I'll go through here really quickly. The complete series of Defrag. Uh, this is a little bit high energy, but uh, it's you know fun ish, I guess. Dot uh, Hack. I, it's com- People tell me that this is like a thing, and uh, so I don't understand what the thing is. It's completely off the off the off the wall. I, but here's what we get from Dot Hack. We get three complete Dot Hack series. .hack uh, Legend of the Twilight, the complete series, .hack Sign, the complete series, and .hack Roots, the complete series. Uh, I have uh, struggled in vain. I have gone to Wikipedia pages to try to figure out exactly what it is that, that ties all this stuff together, and, and I make no sense of it. Uh, so I'm, I'm utterly unqualified. I am uh, a plebe, as Mark would say, when it comes to this thing. But for those who understand this, there it is. Uh, we also have something else that makes no sense to me, but the animation is pretty cool. Uh, Yakitate uh, Japan, part one and part two. Uh, it's supposed to be funny, I guess. And uh, on some level, I guess it probably is. But, you know, this also doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, from Sente Filmworks through section 23 is the, the World God Only Knows Goddesses. This is season three. And then we also have from Sente Filmworks, uh, Nobunaga the Fool. Uh, This is episodes uh, 1 through 13 of the first season. Then we've got uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Zexal, season 1. Six-disc set from uh, Cinedigm, part of their Flatiron series. Let's see. I want to get to a couple of things I want to talk about. Oh, oh, Capellion, the complete series, combo pack on Blu-ray and DVD. Uh, that 's really interesting that 's really cool animation it 's kind of near near future uh, quasi post apocalyptic japan um, but really interesting really conceptually very interesting animation is just absolutely first rate. I'm going to talk about that one separately. Uh, Bubblegum Pride Crisis, Tokyo 2040 from Funimation on DVD only. Not on Blu-ray, unfortunately. Uh, the Familiar of Zero, Night of the Twin Moons, the complete collection. That's also from Sente Filmworks. That is that is sensational looking. This is, uh, you know, obviously more of the nubile young girls thing that you get in a lot of the stuff from Sente. But, uh, you know, nice nice cool 12-episode Contained little series, um, Michiko and Hatchin from Funimation. This is uh, this is just completely wild and off the hook animation. Uh, that one for people who want thing something that's a little more animation aggression and more aggressive animation. That's worth checking out. On Blu-ray, not on, not on Blu-ray. Sorry, not on Blu-ray. The complete collection of Sayuki, fifty episodes from the uh, two seasons of that show. Um, Hang on, I'm going to get here to the uh, important stuff in just a moment. All right, here we go, coming down to the end. Uh, yeah, these are the three biggies. So here are the three that I really want to spend just a moment on: Devil Survivor 2, the animation, the complete collection. Um, this is this is uh, this is one of the, the more intelligently written things. Uh, this is a uh, this is kind of a uh, it's an alien invasion scenario, and uh, you know Japan. I don't want to. I don't want to say it's like uh, like V. It's not really like V. It's Nothing almost, is like V. It's almost. It's a little bit like it, I guess Transformers is maybe kind of touches on the same invasion concept. Uh, a little bit the same dynamic. Anyway, um, this is about the 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 group that helps humanity fight back against the invasion. The Devil Summoners And uh, they're, they're not really superheroes per se But uh, they are They like channel demons And uh, that's the whole concept Between Devil Survivor 2 as, as much as it has a world That is like most other anime worlds Where it's very extreme And very aggressive And there's a lingo And there's all these There's a whole All these different machinations going on This one's very accessible And really intelligently written uh, for fans of the whole Potlabor series, Potlabor the movie is out from the Made in Japan line. Uh, really, really awesome. This is uh, directed by uh, Mamoru Oshi, who did uh, Ghost in the Shell. And uh, it has the same style, the same sensibilities, and uh, it's beautiful. Really, really nicely done. I'm not a huge fan. The Patlabor thing it just goes on and on and on, but that one's really cool. And then, of course, Mark, my favorite. The what original, happened? the one and only, on Blu-ray from Sente Filmworks. Ninja Scroll, baby. Yeah. There it is. Ninja Scroll on Blu-ray. Section mm-hmm. 23's uh, Sente Filmworks. Uh, it just doesn't get any better than Ninja Scroll. Ninja Scroll is sort of the pinnacle of all the anime movies that have been set in Japan's feudal past. Ninja Scroll is the one that just does it right. There is no equal. It's, I'd say, one, arguably one of the 10 best anime feature films of all time. On Blu-ray, can't get any better than that. It's just superb Absolutely brilliant. Um, All right, Mark. um, Let us get into some uh... drugs. Yeah, absolutely. It feels like that. Let's do some uh, some new movies. Um, Yeah. Let's. uh, You want to start with that one? If you like. Yes, please. You
1: know, I'm 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 really getting to like Kevin Costner again. He was Kevin Costner, and then he was a little bit like lame. and now he's getting into his like a grizzled uh you know younger older man phase. And um uh, kind of did it.
0: Yeah, his his ego has, it took a bath. <laughs> and he's it. now having to sort of be a normal guy again, right? He's kind of uh he's 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 no longer taking he's no longer trying to be, you know, Johnny Waterworld or the postman. <laughs> the I like the postman. I love the postman, but <laughs> it's it's really a movie that never should have been made. <laughs> I admit that. I did. I love I love the movie. You know, but
1: it well, never here, should have been made. Well, here he does a uh, a very provocative film that isn't always successful, but you got to you got to give it points for trying um called Black or White Mike Binder who uh I think is a pretty talented guy. I, I would like to. he did Rain Over o, reign Over Me with uh, Adam Sandler which I liked a lot. I I, um,
0: I liked I liked a, I've liked a lot of Mike Binder stuff. I and, I agree. Uh,
1: he's a little bit like he's one of those guys where he's got a lot of talent but somehow he has yeah. not Put it together into that one film that everybody talks about, gets a Best Supporting Actress nomination, really gets, sort of launches him. Um, anyway, uh, Costner and uh, Costner plays a grandfather, and he winds up in a custody dispute over their granddaughter. And of course, the granddaughter is uh, is African American, and Costner, of course, is white. So, it winds up being this uh, very interesting take on race relations and, and parental responsibility and that kind of stuff. So, I, I really appreciate it. it some, sometimes it wore its op ed on its sleeve. Yeah. And that's really never a good thing. Um, and sometimes it's a little bit, you know, it's, it's got, it's a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, uh, what, what's the word? Pathos. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so, it's hearts in the right place. I like the fact that it tackled a very uh, difficult issue. Probably thought if it was a little bit better, maybe you'd release it at the end of the year, might get a screenplay nomination, that kind of thing, touch a cord, you know, become like this launching pad for a national conversation. Yep. In the end, it did none of that. So it kind of just fell away. But it's a good film. I mean, it's, it's not a good film. It's not Binder's best film, but I appreciate the fact that he, as they say, went there.
0: Well, Binder previously worked with Costner on the Upside of Anger and I I, should, I, 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 I did a I was in the one of the featurettes for The Upside of Anger, um, which was like a decade ago. It kind of freaks me out a little bit. But uh, they have a good relationship. It's not a bad film at all. I, I, I It I kind of ripped a little bit from people saying it was too on the nose or whatever. But, you know, um, now, Mark, if, if, if you if – we talked about black or white. If you mix black and white, what do you get? <laughs> you get – Gray. Oh, how many shades of gray?
1: Seven. The thing with Fifty Shades of Gray says, <laughs> here's, "Here's the, here's the thing with Fifty Shades of Gray." Which, by the way, I, I saw the screening with myself, of course. Thank you very much, Mark. Goes to the uh, the woman's erotic film of the, of the century by himself, and there's all these hot girls in the screening room. All these hot girls. Who is it the uh, Chinese? Is it the uh, Chinese?
0: And, so embarrassing
1: uh, No these, these, To them it was like A night out at the movies With their girlfriends it was The hottest girls Anyway What I'm saying is The problem with Fifty Shades of Grey Is not that it's bad Is that It's not bad enough The thing is that The movie Is just good enough Where you wind up Considering it As a film yeah. As opposed to Dismissing it as a film Right Yeah So it's not good But it's just sort of like Average and for a film like this, let's face it, Average is a bit of a triumph. This, of course, is based on the best-selling novel. Um, uh, Dakota Johnson's a star. She's great, perfect. Uh, the guy, Jamie Dornan, miscast. Throws off no heat, uh, no no danger. I just thought it was just a poor choice. I mean, I really... What this role should have been was Christian Bale in... Um, uh, American Psycho. Right. Like that Christian Bale, totally. right? Yeah. He's feral, he's charming, very handsome, dangerous, he can talk a woman into bed, he's, he, he can manipulate a woman, that, that's, that's what you needed. Jamie Dornan, not that guy. Mm-hmm. So, um, she's great, he's miscast. Uh, the movie is just, just as cheesy and ridiculously loony as you would imagine, but... You know, it's got some good stuff in it. You know, it's just ultimately the thing is that I was I was really hoping it'd be like Showgirls,
0: yeah, no, just like, it's just like, it's, can't be no, a campy, horrible classic. No.
1: The thing is that the movie's actually decent enough where yeah. you can almost go okay, I can I can evaluate this as a film, not as a piece of crap.
0: I, I this thing started off as Twilight fan fiction of all I know, things. I know it's just crazy, and you know what's funny? The characters are stolen from Secretary. Yeah, the James uh, uh, Matthew Gyllenhaal was, film. Yeah, but James Spader's, I mean, it's the same plot, and James Spader was gray. And that was his name in the film. It's like, how do you, it's just, why is no one suing? I don't understand. And, and, and
1: you know what, and by the way, in the film, just to put it out there, the sex is so chaste. I mean, you know what? Look, come on, people. You know, maybe it was a dangerous book, you know, but in the movie, when you're trying to avoid, like, an NC-17 or whatever it is, it's oh gee, she she gets strapped to a bed, yeah. fantastic. I can see that on the Cartoon Network. You know what I mean? It's just the the the, the sex really is not even remotely erotic.
0: So I'm going to rip through a few here real quickly. Oh, uh, rip, all right. Ryan Gosling's uh, writing directing debut, Lost River, uh, was this supposed
1: thing to be, was just man. destroyed.
0: <gasps> <gasps> the critics just viciously attacked this, and th- this happens every so often. I remember it can when Johnny Depp uh, had his directing debut. And my gosh, that thing was so horrendous. And you would think, oh, Johnny Depp and uh, Marlon Brando together again, uh, you know, Don Juan DeMarco, that's great. No, it was just horrendous. It was like two hours of Johnny Depp playing in, uh, a Native American, just walking and walking and walking and building playgrounds. And the idea is, you know, he was going to, he was going to, he was selling himself to a snuff film to Marlon Brando in order to help his family not fall into poverty. Dreadful movie. Anyway, Lost River is not that bad. But it's just not good. Ryan Ryan Gosling is not a writer. Um, this is meant to be this kind of uh, you know sort of uh, fa- rural family go- quasi gothic uh, mystery thriller. The you know the the river and the river has this history and this woman and her children and. You know, they get sort of sucked into the, 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 this whole in web of intrigue. And it never really makes sense. It's way over-stylized. It's extremely drawn out. And it just, um, you know, I, I, I hope someone lets Ryan Gosling direct again, but he really shouldn't be writing and directing. This is uh, not his forte. Uh, Tracers is about as much acting as Taylor Lautner really should do. And that is to say uh, it's mostly stunts. Uh, here's, the, here's the idea behind Tracers horrible. The idea behind Tracers is They said hey why don't we do a knockoff Of Fast and the Furious Great idea let's do a knockoff Fast and the Furious uh, But we can't afford any cars You can't afford cars Well how are we going to do a knockoff of Fast and the Furious If we don't have cars How about they do parkour What a great idea It's like Fast and the Furious except with parkour Instead of cars Like if they lost their cars and The only way they can, they can actually do what they do is parkour so it's, it's, that's, it, that's it. It's,
1: it's a documentary?
0: Uh, no. It's just uh, Taylor Lautner's a guy with a little bit of, you know, he's he's just trying to sort of get his life together and make things happen right for his mom. And, you know, he's, he, he's a little bit of a delinquent, but he's really a good guy. And he falls in with these guys who basically do – they're burglars. They do crime with parkour. They break into things. And then there are a few just ridiculous twists. And, of course, there's a girl and a guy. And uh, the only reason to see this thing is for the parkour, which is fun, which is good. I mean, the the parkour is really impressive, and Taylor Lautner does all of his own stunts, and that's very impressive. So I, I give him kudos for doing that. He's still not a very good actor, but he doesn't have to do a lot of acting here. He just has to be you know buff and do flips and rolls and all that, diving through windows and all that stuff. Uh, still, Alice is the essentially. TV movie that won uh, Julianne Moore her long overdue Academy Award for Best Aww, Actress. How dare you? Well, here's the thing. It, it, you know, Alec Baldwin plays her husband and it's got star power and it, it's still, the director recently passed away too, which is very sad. Uh, if not for Julianne Moore, this would have been a movie on Lifetime. It would have. Uh, you, know, well, the it,
1: whole, you know, the whole movie is just enormous scaffolding to support.
0: Performance. It is. Now, I'll say this. It basically, it's about a woman who, uh, a, a professor, a college professor who comes down with early, all set, all, uh, early onset Alzheimer's. And uh, it, it, that would normally be just a ridiculous saccharine lifetime movie of the week. But Julianne Moore takes the thing so seriously that she she just wraps this otherwise very, very pedestrian plot around her and delivers an unbelievable performance. It is every bit as Oscar worthy as you know the i mean it won the oscar deservedly however and i can say this because i've you know i'm my family and i know many other families have dealt with dementia and it hits really close to the bone if you've ever had a loved one with dementia you watch this movie and you just say i've been there i've been there i've seen that we've gone through that it just it hits those beats really honestly but not because the the story is that honest. It's because she's honest in the way that she portrays it and she really, really, really pegs it right to the to the mat. So if ever there were a movie where the performance elevates at 150 percent, this is the one. So Kate I gotta, Bosworth Yeah, see I mean yeah. see there see there it's just the, all the all the supporting stuff in the movie is not great. And some of the but family stuff Baldwin, is he's really good. Yeah. Yeah. He's so I mean she she and Alec Baldwin make this movie and especially Julianne Moore. She just is magnificent. Um, extras here are, include some deleted scenes, really pointless to watch. Those, uh, an interview with uh, Ilan Eshkeri, who was the composer, and a, a special feature uh, called "Finding Alice," which is very, very good. Where they talk about um, you know early onset Alzheimer's and Alzheimer's in general, and they include discussions from experts and so forth. So, uh, and it's also nice too that um, the Alzheimer's Association was very supportive of the film. And um, you know it's 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 going to it it'll help it'll definitely help. So it's it I don't like being critical of this film. I'm grateful that it's there, but you know it is but all about Julianne Moore.
1: But you're a horrible person.
0: I am. I'm a terrible person.
1: Oh, uh, way of the Cobbler is a very disappointing film. Uh, not because it's an Adam Sandler film, because all Adam Sandler films are disappointing. But uh, it was directed by Tom McCarthy. So
0: well, this is a, so sad. What is, what happened? He just he was batting a thousand, and then you know, he, he had win win
1: and station agent, and uh, and then this, this terrible. Uh, Adam Sandler. I, I guess Tom McCarthy wanted to be the guy to rehabilitate Adam Sandler. Just didn't work. Uh, weird premise. It's uh, Sandler plays this. I think he's like a fourth generation cobbler who realizes that he could like become, transform into like any of the customers whose shoes he fixes
0: okay
1: exactly it's based on a true story um, what should have been an interesting exploration of whoever he decides to inhabit winds up being just a big parlor trick I just wrote, I really thought it. it should have been a charming little fantasy I guess it's just winds up being nothing but a gimmick um, really very disappointing thin story it's not that funny he, you know, he's trying to tamp it down which is nice but still it's just uh, it's just crazy just not a good film The Cobbler uh, Mordecai is uh, hopefully the final nail in Johnny Depp's coffin, because I'm tired of him.
0: Man, I, you know, this tired is such a missed opportunity. He, he's just doing that, like, he's doing a Terry Thomas impression that is so hackneyed, and everybody else is just along for the ride. Why is Jeff Goldblum in this movie? He's, I don't understand. Because
1: he's awesome. Oh. This is directed by David Kep, who uh, has done a bunch of good stuff in the past, surprisingly good. He did that bike movie, which was a lot of fun. Was that bike move with a, a, a premium rush?
0: Well, yeah, but Kep, Kep was also, you know, he did, yeah, he, sure, Jurassic Par. you. wrote, uh, yes, uh, just yeah. he was one of the legendary screenwriters of the '80s. He had his hands in everything.
1: Oh, I have my hands in everything, Wade. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you right now.
0: Yeah, uh, not going to look. Not looking. Not going to do
1: it. Not, not going to do it.
0: Um, you know, let me let me talk about American Sniper for a second. Uh, I, I was hoping to kind of end the show on this, but this is where we got a few other things we got to we got to do if we're going to. You know, make this worth two weeks' worth. Um, American Sniper uh, has unfortunately continues to be caught in a whole just maelstrom of of, of conflicts. They, they keep trying to screen this thing on campuses, and people protest and say it 's islamophobic and it 's become real political football. this movie it glorifies war and so forth. I, I guess.
1: Eastwood did not look at it like that I, he, he made a movie about, about a guy who was a sniper That's people, it.
0: Are, people are projecting things on this, and a lot of it, a lot of it has admittedly to do with the fact that um, Fox News has politicized the movie to some degree you know uh, and and Chris Kyle showed up before he was killed. He showed up on you know a lot of right wing outlets. And uh, sort of you know his his book and the Jesse Ventura issue, you know the, the 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 lawsuit and his widow and it just it's become this it's really become kind of a salacious narrative, and uh, people need to distance themselves from all of that and just understand the fact that for, forget about what the real life implications are heres here's the movie that Eastwood made. Eastwood made a really interesting movie that really fundamentally has nothing to do with the Iraq war. Uh, and it's an incredibly well-made movie. I mean, this was the number one make- grossing film of last year. You realize that?
1: That is why well, yeah.
0: It, it, yeah. A real movie, a mid-level budget movie by an 80-year-old director, made for grown-ups, not for kids, became the number one film of last year.
1: Because it be it struck a chord with the type of uh, middle-aged, white, middle-American audience who who thinks that Hollywood is filled with
0: them liberals. But more than that, here's 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 the thing. What Eastwood made is a movie that, that taps into something that is common for every soldier who has ever been deployed ever in any country anywhere in the world. And that is that you're caught between two families. You've got the family that you're fighting for and the family you're fighting with, who is also a family that you're fighting for. It's the band of brothers versus your actual biological family. And that tension is what drives this film. But you know what? And it's fascinating. And I think he does a really great job of it. I've never seen a film that captured that as well as this does. It's you the first what? film that has ever really, I think, isolated that dynamic. So not for a moment did I ever think, oh, this movie, you know, it's just, it's just a, it's a big war statement. It's, it really isn't.
1: I did not uh, – I found the uh, Home Life stuff with Sienna Miller. To be pretty standard stuff. I didn't really. See, find, I was I, I
0: was really moved by it. I didn't I was really find moved a whole
1: lot of insight. I mean, I, here's the thing: I found the same type of insight that you'd find on a, on, on some CBS show where some yeah. veteran comes home. No, I, I was I really, really moved by it. I thought of, I think it's
0: the best thing she's ever done. I thought it was I was oh moved sure. By
1: she's so you know, by the way, she's gorgeous.
0: Isn't she great? I'm putting that out there. Uh, so anyway, you, you get. Uh, but Clist-
1: you know, let me say something. The one thing I did like about it is Eastwood. He, he what is that oh Eastwood energized. He's into the material. It's, it, totally, right? He's on it. He's and he took this over
0: from Spielberg, you know, and thank God. Uh, you get uh, a handful of extras on here, the making of American Sniper, and then uh, this thing called One Soldier's Story, which is uh, essentially a, a, you know, kind of uh, a documentary about the road to the screen, so to speak. Also uh, ultraviolet on this. And uh, a few schlocky things here to go through real quickly. Zom Beaver's, is on DVD. Yeah. This is this is just the stupidest B movie thing. Uh, basically, it's this is a teen sex comedy from well, teen horror sex comedy for, as it would have been in the nineteen eighties with uh, a lot of apparently a lot of leftover puppets from Caddyshack that they use to uh, make them zombie beavers. When a couple of idiots throw get some you know lose a truck full of toxic waste into a. Into a river, then suddenly these three girls and the guys that are with them camping, as they always go. They always go camping. Uh, they're out in this ca- cabin, and next thing you know, they're attacked by the uh, the rabid zombie beavers. Yeah. And uh, if you watch this, it's a stupid, silly movie. It nice really it's is. It's ever. so silly. But if you watch this, you've got to watch it all the way to the very, very end because there's a song. There's a like a Frank Sinatra knockoff cover song. Uh, like Frank Sinatra singing Zombievers over the end titles which is hilarious and then there is a final sight gag at the end, a little tag that is one of the funniest sight gags it's a, it's a visual pun it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen um, Strange Magic is uh, an animated film, apparently this is the price that Disney had to pay when they cut their deal with George Lucas for, uh, for uh, the Star Wars films uh, this is just rancid. This is horrendous on every conceivable level. It's, it's – uh, this is some, uh, kind of a modern-day fairy tale that is really just like the worst elements of Beauty and the Beast. And I didn't know there were any bad elements, but it's basically Beauty and the Beast done completely wrong with bad animation and with covers of pop songs like in Moulin Rouge. It's horrible. It's just its an embarrassment on every conceivable level. And the fact that they did not release this to Blu-ray tells you a great deal. Uh, Disney also slapped the Touchstone label on this. They went and dusted that thing off. And, man, what an embarrassment. Strange magic. Horrible. Uh, Dad's a soccer mom. You know what? It's funny. What can I tell you? Uh, Terrell Owens, Lester Spate, uh, Randy, Wendy Robinson, Tracy Gold. Um, it's stupid. It's one of those kind of lowbrow family comedies. But, you know, uh, what, look, you get a wrestler, Marion Casey. You cast him as a big, big hulking dad, and you do a lot of family comedy, and uh, it's it's modestly funny. This thing was shown on Up, which is a channel I apparently don't get. And then Ice Tastrophe, you get it, Mark? Ice Tastrophe
1: is, is that like Sharknado?
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, uh, basically a meteorite, uh, just destroys the whole holiday celebration in this one town and it's really lowbrow, but it's kind of silly. Uh, so if you're, if you're sleep deprived, I guess you'll probably enjoy it.
1: Courtney Cox made her directing debut and hopefully she'll never direct a film again because this thing is just totally a mess. This is just before I go with a uh, very game, but, uh, unfortunately, uh, just, there's nothing you can do with it um sean william scott plays a guy in his 40s life's a mess goes back to his hometown and uh you know and uh face off with all the people who made him so miserable uh what he should really look in the mirror because he made himself miserable anyway courtney cox i don't know what she's thinking man this is just it's just a bunch of fat jokes and uh boner gags and you know it's just and but yet but yet it also wants to you know have all these beautiful moments about you know Accepting homosexuality and 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 having mercy and uh, on people with depression and Down syndrome, it's just it's just all over the place. So this thing's a total misfire. Uh, not funny. No nothing really to latch on to. Don't like the characters. Again, Sean William Scott doesn't play it that silly, which is nice. So I guess you got to give Courtney Cox credit for that. But still, I just don't see what visually. Uh, And it's a storyteller, what she brings to the table as a director. So I would definitely pass on the complete misfire just before I go. We also have um, The Pyramid, which is a horror film produced by uh, 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 Alexander uh, Aja, whatever his name is. Yeah, Aja Aja, yeah, yeah. uh, who did uh, The Hills Have Eyes. This one, this is a pure skim. This is just a ridiculous uh, Saturday night uh, nothingness. It's about uh, these uh, team of archaeologists, and they... Go into Egyptian. They go to the Egyptian desert and they there's a bunch of secrets in there and they're being hunted by this evil, you know, nightmarish, you know, entity. And uh, yeah, it's pretty much standard stuff. So uh, there you go. Directed by nobody in particular. And I'd pass on the pyramid. Too many other good films out there than to watch the pyramid.
0: Uh, I have five as we uh, get down close to wrapping out the show. I got five here, uh, two from WellGo, three from uh, Shout Factory and Scream Factory, uh, all kind of genre-y-ish things. Uh, WellGo is expanding uh, increasingly beyond their core martial arts stuff, their core Hong Kong and, uh, and Asian stuff, and uh, we got a thing here called Sword of Vengeance, which is a... A pretty decent um, – this is from the guys who did Hammer of the Gods, and this is a pretty decent kind of uh, medieval Norman Viking uh, warlord thing. Uh, it, it, it's, it, it's kind of um, – I, I had, a, I had a, a, a name for these things. They're, they're like pre-apocalyptic movies, right? They're, they're, uh, they're basically like Mad Max films except they're set in the medieval past. So it's all, it's a post-apocalyptic scenario, but it's set in the, in, in the Middle Ages. So it's like pre-apocalyptic, right? Is that a good term? Lame. Okay, never mind. Anyway, there's a few of these. Throw a bunch of guys in armor, give them swords, hack up a bunch of stuff, have some people who are, you know, really messed up. And you're kind of splitting the difference between the Lord of the Rings films and the Mad Max films. And still, you because you make it historical, it feels a little bit legit. So anyway, this thing, uh, this is okay. Uh, it, it's not exactly, uh, you know... Uh, Thor, or uh, or even uh, the 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 Valhalla thing, the Nicholas Winding Refn thing. Yeah,
1: Valhalla oh. Rising, oh, so man. good, so good.
0: But it's all right. Sort of engines from uh, from Welgo, and um, also from Wellgo is a thing called These Final Hours, which is also not bad. Uh, this is a pretty good acquisition. This is a, uh, a a on the verge of the apocalypse movie. And uh there's a, you know these end of the world movies have kind of come and gone. There've been a few of them, and it's the best ones. they don't tell you exactly what's happening. Here the idea is the Earth's going to get hit by a meteor, and it's going to take everything out. and you've got twelve hours and uh, this is uh this has an interesting twist on that an interesting family twist and it uh, it's not bad it's really very very well done very smartly put together so uh bravo to uh writer director Zach Hilditch who i think has a bit of a future and then from scream factory got deep in the darkness uh with Dean Stockwell and Sean Patrick Thomas um this was originally seen on chiller which again is like a network i don't even i'm not even remotely familiar with uh but uh, good good spook Stuff, good good scares. It's all right. Uh, Dean Stockwell apparently has no career left, so he's doing stuff like this. But uh, this is uh, – it's got some good chills. Um, extraterrestrial, also some good chills. This is from the Vicious Brothers, who I'm only marginally familiar with. I'm getting a little tired of these brother teams making movies. But uh, ever since the Coens, everybody kind of jumped on the bandwagon, right? Coen Brothers kind of lit that fuse.
1: I love them.
0: We do. We love them a lot. But anyway, name
1: one bad Coen Brothers film. Go.
0: Uh, that George Clooney thing. No, not the George no, Clooney that was thing. Good. The, the, no, no the, uh, the the Tom Hanks thing. Oh, the remake of the. the no.
1: Uh, yeah. Oh, also the. Um,
0: the remake of the the old the Ealing comedy. Oh thing. yeah, what was the that? Lady Killers. <laughs> lady Killers. That was oh, you terrible. Know what? That's true. That was terrible. And I just
1: thought of intolerable intolerable. Oh, cool that was dreadful.
0: Too. But that has a couple of funny things in it.
1: But Oh, okay. But batting average wise.
0: Yeah. Come uh, on. Ninety five. Ninety percent, maybe. Right. Nine hundred. So anyway, uh, the Vicious Brothers do an audio commentary on here. Uh, as far as you know, general alien invasion, extraterrestrial threat movies go, uh, you could do worse. You could do worse. Uh, and then as long as we're on kind of a, a, a semi-Mad Max thing, um, th- th- we have Dark Hall. Uh, now, a, uh, a, a cast member here is a Facebook friend of mine, so I'm not, going to, uh, I'm not going to say anything bad about it. He does a very, very good job alongside Tom Sizemore, who uh, also does a better-than-average job basically playing himself. This is kind of a demon—well, here's the deal. Um, y- <laughs> you have a guy who has to transport um, a demon and its sister in a truck. Write the rest of the movie yourself.
1: It's like Midnight Run, but with demons.
0: Kind of, sort of, not really. Um, this was originally aired on Sci-Fi. It's a little low-brow. It's got some decent creature effects. Um, yeah, I mean, it's—I'm not sure there's a, there's a way to even describe it. But it's called Dark Hall, and uh, it's you know, one of those one of those. I got crap in my truck, movies, and I got to get it to in one piece from one place to one place. It's I don't know. It's an interesting idea. It's it kind of works. Um, let's see. Let's just nail a couple of older movies, and then we'll call it quits. Um, Capricorn One, Mark is out on Blu-ray.
1: Oh, I love this film. As a Capricorn kid. One's out on Blu-ray. Remember the last shower? he's jogging towards the he's jogging in the cemetery the towards best. the. Uh, Towards the memorial service. It's great.
0: In in the era pre-CGI, this movie really killed it. Uh, This is a a release from Timeless. I don't know how Timeless got hold of this, but uh, it's great. And the movie was produced by a great producer back then, Paul Lazarus, whose son... Incidentally, is David Lazarus, columnist for the L.A. Times and, oh. uh, and frequent uh, guest host on Film Week, who I know quite well. I've guested on his uh, his radio show in uh, San Francisco a few times. And David is great, and uh, he often joked that uh, Capricorn One paid for his college education. So good. Uh, and you know what? I mean, it may be the best, still the best film that Peter Hyams ever did. Really? Uh, yeah, I think I like so. Outland. Outland's good, but... Man, you know what? This is—it's just a great idea. It's just a really—I mean, Outland. Here's the thing: Um, you know, 2010 is the sequel to 2001. You're climbing a really tall hill there, and Outland is High Noon in space. It's well done, but Capricorn One is totally original. It is a totally. Cool, original thriller idea. It's just great. It really fires on all cylinders. You know, fake Mars landing, it's great. Uh, Telly Savalas is fantastic. Karen Black shows up in here. It's just really a film of its era, but it's, it dates really well. And Sam Watterson is so good in it. Uh, James Brolin, Brenda Vaccaro, Elliot Gould, and, of course, O.J. Simpson. Hal Holbrook. great cast, fantastic cast. So that is out there on Blu-ray. Fabulous movie.
1: Well, we have uh, three criterions for you this week. Uh, we have Char- uh, Charlie Chaplin in Limelight. Now, it's funny. This is, Lime- this is Charlie Chaplin in 1952. So, you know, Chaplin, of course, great silent film star. He kept doing silent films long after silent films were, you know, based. He was like the last guy doing it. You know, everybody was had uh, moved to sound. Yep. Chaplin's still doing uh, silent film. Now we're in 1952. So at this point, mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Yep. Enough with the silent already. Go, 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 Go say something. Yeah. So, um, this one, uh, Chaplin plays a, uh, he's this, uh, performer, musical comedy performer. He's now kind of like, uh, you know, he's kind of like washed up and he drinks too much. And, uh, he lives in a tiny little flat, a guy in London, guys like nothing. And so, uh, he meets this beautiful, uh, woman. She's a dancer, Claire Bloom, and, uh, they kind of, uh, fall in love. This is probably, would you say this is Chaplin's last good film?
0: Oh boy! I'd I mean, never think about that. Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, what, yeah. what?
1: What? What else he got going on? Yeah. After 1952. Sure. Um, so, in that sense, this is completely worth it. It's a great Blu-ray, of course, because it's uh, Criterion. Uh, video essay by uh, uh, Chaplain biographer David Robinson, which is good. New interviews with uh, Claire Bloom, which is great, and Norman Lloyd, who's still around. Uh, there's a 2002 documentary about the making of the film and so there's audio recordings of uh, Chaplin reading two short excerpts from uh, his novella Footlights which is like whatever unless you want to hear uh, Chaplin's voice so this is late period uh, Chaplin totally worth it obviously not the classics that you know Gold Rush and City Lights and Modern Times and The Great Dictator are but still it's uh, totally worth it great job from Criterion of course as usual Next, we have, uh, from 1937, Make Way for Tomorrow, directed by Leo McCary. Yes, about an elderly couple. And, uh, you know, they have to break up when they lose their house, and their children will not take them in. (laughs) Supposedly, this film was an inspiration for um, Ozu's Tokyo story. Oh, really? I found that very strange. That's interesting. And yet, uh, that is what I heard. Anyway. Interesting film, good film. It's one of Leo McCarry's best films. It's uh, Depression era stuff, so it's it's got definitely got like a bit of a down and out you know feel to it. Um, there's a decent amount of extras considering the film is from 1937. Uh, there's an interview with Peter Bogdanovich about uh, Leo McCarry and uh, interview from 2009 with uh, Gary Giddens about uh, McCarey and uh, how great he was. The booklet's pretty good too. So make way for tomorrow. It's uh, by the way not a comedy. It is a drama. Although Liam McCarry did do some comedies, this one's a drama, and uh, it's interesting stuff. Definitely worth a rental. Next we have The Rose, which is really more famous for the song than it is for the actual movie. This is with uh, this is directed by Mark Rydell, who was uh, he did it on Golden Pond, a lot of mawkish stuff. Great. That was- yeah,
0: his, his career died when he did For the Boys uh, with that horrible makeup between uh, Bette Midler and um, and James Caan. <laughs> that was just dreadful. But The Rose. <laughs> He nails it with Bette Midler. I mean, it's basically kind of a very, very loose quasi biopic about uh, um, what's her name. You know, Mel. No, Steve? no, no. They don't know the thing. No, no, Janis Joplin. Janis Joplin. Yeah, it's kind of a loose Janis Joplin. But I mean, very, very loose. Just sort of inspired. But by For- it.
1: How, how good is Frederick Forrest? Oh, he's fantastic. Come on. No,
0: it's a good film. It's, it's a really good film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's a good film. It's a good film.
1: That that song though, just that song is so mawkish.
0: It is. But this it gotten you know this is this is a little bit like I mean it's not what we expect of Bette Midler she sort of she got her Oscar nomination out of this and then she became you know that silly diva comedy character but here she's really giving you a performance it's a really great performance uh, and then we have a, a pile here we'll wrap it up with the Warner Archive Collection stuff that's Bette Midler from that, For the it's Boys. it's the worst makeup ever I just googled it it's the worst makeup ever it's just the worst. <laughs> It's just like they, they went Dunking They dunked their heads no, no, In the latex
1: no, no 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 The worst makeup ever Only because there's like One shot in the yeah. film Is the very end Of A Beautiful Mind When oh, Jennifer Connelly Is, so is in horrible. the audience Where he's giving a speech It's horrible The worst
0: It is It's horrible The best let me find that one Where's that one So uh, War- the uh, Warner Archives uh, At warnerarchive.com We've got some really interesting stuff this week A couple of them from the uh, Samuel Goldwyn Library Samuel Goldwyn Classics uh, The first is Barbary Coast The wonderful Barbary Coast Directed by Howard Hawks With uh, Miriam Hopkins Edward G. Robinson And Joel McRae That's just fantastic And a, and a sensational Ben Hecht screenplay uh, Really this is It's just such a It's so. It's just so smart and clever uh, so I, uh, you know, the whole, the whole dance between these actors is really an awful lot of fun. And then Gary Cooper and uh, Anna Sten in Wedding Night, uh, directed by King Vidor, a little less uh, interesting. This is kind of more of a sort of more of a programmer from the uh, era. What are you showing? Oh, there's Jennifer is.
1: Connelly from Beautiful Mind yeah, in her old awful. age makeup. Yeah, that's awful,
0: terrible really dreadful uh, a little bit of a melodrama here uh, you know some good performances but uh, otherwise not as I mean Barbary Coast is really really great um, Sister Kenny with Rosalind Russell and Alexander Knox is uh, kind of this, uh, this is a little more of an affectionate melodrama uh, with Rosalind Russell playing a, a nurse who may have found a treatment for polio uh, actually, a uh, a true story actually took place in the uh, in Australia apparently, and directed by Dudley Nichols, who is a director I'm only vaguely familiar with, but it's generally well done. Also, Black Gold with uh, Anthony Quinn is uh, you know perfectly, totally acceptable kind of Anthony Quinn star vehicle uh, that uh, you know came. Kind of at the end of a long section of his career where he's just doing character character parts, uh, but it's it's you know it's a it's a racehorse movie and there have been a million racehorse movies. Uh, director Phil Carlson, kind of a guy who did a lot of programmers, uh, but it's it's totally serviceable. And uh, the the climax here is the nineteen twenty four uh, Kentucky Derby, which is sort of a I guess a historic. Kentucky Derby
1: some of those horses by the way still alive
0: Ricardo Montalban I know true right Ricardo Montalban leads an unbelievably awesome cast in Sombrero Uh, Sid Charisse could literally just show up in any movie and I will love it so I'm a sucker for the fact that Sid Charisse is even in this movie Uh, great musical Vittorio Gassman Yvonne DiCarlo Nina Foch uh Rick Jason, who I, I always rave about from his great turns in you know, a number of films in the sixties, but also in combat on television. Uh, you know, this is uh this is a lot of fun. It's kind of a forgotten musical in many respects. Uh, but man Vittorio Gassman was so good looking we always kind of think about him as you know in some of his later years when he shows up in things like tempest paul mazerski 's Tempest but uh, really this is a, this is a great cast, a really, really fun uh, Technicolor musical, very nicely done and then lastly, as long as we 're talking about musicals, this is the one we 're wrapping out with mark this is a must own everybody 's got to have this on their shelf. You cannot let this escape. Warner Archive releases another one of its occasional Blu-rays, and this is golden, folks, 42nd Street. Right there, the legendary— Awesome, 1933. The one and only amazing 42nd Street. This is, uh, you know— Must be Berkeley. So good. So unbelievably good. Yep. Uh, Ruby Keeler You know Una Merkel I mean really This is just This is when movies Were starting to talk And they figured out How to make them Not just talk But sing and dance And go crazy It's so fun Uh, This movie just does not It dates so incredibly well It doesn't get old It is still just as impressive As the day it was released And you get so many Cool extras on here Vintage featurettes um, one of, which includes a uh, you know a, a trip through uh, a Hollywood studio of the era, which will just make you cry. It's just so cool. You just wish those old days just came back again. And a couple of really really cool uh, vintage cartoons: "Shuffle Off to Buffalo" and "Young and Healthy." So it's a little bit like uh, like a night at the movies in the nineteen thirties. It's fantastic. And one
1: best picture. Forty
0: Seconds is a great movie. Best I know. Yep. So there we have it. That is our show for this week. And uh, email oh, us. And our show for next week. Uh, Email us at gods at digigods.com. Send us your emails. Send us your Vox boxes. Record your questions. By
1: the Uh, way, we love the fact that everybody's on the Facebook page, right? Throwing stuff up there. Posting trailers. Putting out little things in there. It's fantastic.
0: Doing their own reviews. Doing their own commentaries. It's really nice. Love it. It's a very active community. So join the Facebook page if you haven't yet. And uh, otherwise, email us at gods at digigods.com. Vox boxes and emails. Always appreciated. Another time, and we will be off next week. While Mark is uh, cavorting in uh, New York, doing all kinds of unsavory things,
1: I don't want to see Mad Max.
0: <laughs> you see it in New York. See it when you're in New
1: York. I might actually. Don't don't Go. tempt me. Don't tempt me, because I will.
0: Head on seriously. Head on up there to Lincoln Center to those those amazing theaters at Lincoln Center. I'm sure one of those screens will just mm. have be a, a bunch
1: of kids. They're going to be texting and. and, and they they won't, No, they won't. They, they'll, they'll bring I, their iPads. I, and I
0: guarantee you. No one. No, you don't understand. The first frame of, that you see, when the logo comes up, you're in.
1: No, don't sh- it, say it's, nothing. It, it's say just, nothing. The, the, you're
0: gripped. You're Psst. done. It's over. All right. We'll see you in two weeks.